Hello, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality of mental health and the arts. This week's guest is Michelle Drozdick. Michelle is an improviser and writer. We have an excellent conversation about her choice to be sober and the one-woman show that that choice inspired, now playing at the People's Improv Theater in Manhattan. Here she is talking about self-identity. I think it's been a, it's been a process mm-hmm. because I, I came out of the closet when I was 22. Okay. Which I feel like, I mean, I, I everyone is different, but it yeah. seemed later than a lot of people. Sure. And between that and, and drinking and just so much in my life, I've realized I, I spent so much time keeping secrets mm-hmm. and being closed off and... and thinking that I had to live my life one way or be one way and just being open with mm-hmm. myself and with others has it's a way I guess of figuring out exactly who I am and exactly who I want to be mm-hmm. because it's yeah it sucked otherwise <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller to support us there. I'm currently trying to upgrade the studio in which we record these and upgrade the mics as well. For the other podcasts I do, you can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller to look at all the other podcasts I do, or you can go to www.tristanjmiller.com. Sensing a theme? I think so. All right, enough of me talking. Let's get to Michelle. What was your previous improv experience from that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? I just okay. went straight to the pit. Okay, why'd you choose them? Actually, because a guy I was dating <laughs> okay. um, had taken me to an improv show on our second date, uh-huh. and um, I came out of the closet, but I kept coming to the pit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So you hadn't done any previous improv experience two years ago, was that the first time you'd done performing as well, or no? Yeah. 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 So what about improv made you, like, what, what happened there? What were you doing before? What happened? Why was the change? I was going to a lot of musical improv shows. Okay. And um, I cannot sing at all. <laughs> okay. But after a while, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, they're up here on stage. They're really funny. I kind of want to do that. Uh-huh. And so I signed up for level one just thinking nothing's going to come out of this and now I can't stop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what were you doing before? Before? Was Not much. <laughs> no? Not much. Okay. Um, so it was just like a pure joy of like, I want to I wanna just do this and that's it. Yeah. I saw, I think the first time... I saw you, you were doing it like a solo improv. Yes, the gimmick and you. Yes. How How do you go about doing, preparing for that, well, or lack of preparing for that? Like, that um, sounds nerve-wracking. Usually I have my director there, Ben Jones, who is just the best guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, beforehand, he'll, like, walk me through exercises, mm-hmm. keep me calm. And, uh, <laughs> sure. And he also coaches me on it as well, just sort of exercises to be um, really, I guess, as much in the element as possible. Okay. Um, like what? 
Let's see. I'm trying to think of some of the very first stuff he had me sure. do. Um, it was stuff like just very simple scenes. Uh, he would have me do both sides of dialogue. When I do the show, I usually just do one side of dialogue, but mm -hmm. it was a good way to kind of ease in and to also realize just how much space to give. Like, say, I say a line, my sure. imaginary scene partner says a line. You, you, it helps you realize how a conversation will go. Sure, sure, sure. And what what made you go, oh, I should just do this on my own? Um, let's see. I don't really know. To okay. be honest, I had, I had just quit drinking, actually, and I okay. think I wanted a challenge. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but you, I assume you're on some kind of improv team. Yes. And how, what is, what is that experience like? Because I think there's certain reputations of improvisers and improvise and you know improv teams but what has your experience been like with improv i've loved every minute of yeah. it it's there's been so much to learn i've gotten to play with such incredible people mm -hmm. and i really love doing it. i feel like it's very when it's done right mm -hmm. not that there's a wrong way to do improv sure. but like just when the stars align the right mm -hmm. way on the perfect day you can create something that's like almost like art yeah yeah absolutely and i think there's certainly like there's certainly an art too because it is like it is i was i was listening to a rick overton interview and he was talking about like it's like finally dialing in on a frequency on a radio right and then something kind of magic happens and it is really really wonderful because like I've been to a lot of good improv shows and a lot of bad improv <laughs> shows, and the good improv shows, you can o almost immediately tell, like, okay, so within the first five minutes, we're good. We're safe. And I feel like as an audience, and also as improvisers, it's kind of a similar thing. Like, okay, we can all kind of relax and stop fussing. Um, but you're doing a one-woman show now. Yes. And what made you decide to do that other than going, well, I can perform by myself. Let's just do it. Right. So you mean like doing something scripted this time yeah. around? Yeah. Like... It's funny because this is my first scripted solo show. I just kind of dived in with improv. Sure. And I feel like it's more, most people would be more intimidated by the uh, um, improvised solo show. But for me, the scripted one. Yeah. was something that had scared me for a long time, something I didn't think I could do. Why? I have. I don't think I trusted myself sure. to remember all the lines. Yeah. And so, and to... Because when you do an improvised show, it's almost like... I was saying recently that everyone is sort of in on it together. Sure, a yeah. Everyone knows you're just making it up, you're here to have a fun time. Mm -hmm. It's... There's definitely something more to something scripted. Like, you're coming in, you're coming to see a show, a performance. Yeah. So expectations are high. Yeah, and I I guess I wanted a challenge again yeah. this time around. Yeah. Um, but did, did you write it, the show? Yes, I did. So even if you were to go off script, no one would know? No, not really. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got to be kind of a comfort, right? Because... Yes, and each time I've done it, it does change a little bit each mm -hmm. time. It's it's the same show, but it's not the same show. Yeah, and what was your process for writing it? Um, 
putting out probably a lot of it really fast and then struggling really hard to finish okay. it. Okay, sure. And um, but like, how did you set about writing? Did you like sit down with computer? Did you start Im- by improvising some things or? Ooh, I let's see. I pretty much wrote it in chronological order, okay. just straight through, um, on a computer. Yeah. I forget the website. I think writer duet or something. Yes. Yes. Was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's about your sobriety, right? Yes. Or what came before it. What came? Yeah. It's about. I, I would say your decision to be sober. Yes. Um, without spoiling the show too much, can you talk about that? Sure. It's um. It's called Message in a Bottle, mm-hmm. and. In it, I date a bottle. A bottle. It's a bottle of Tito's vodka, which I was (laughs) very fond of. Sure. He has uh, green googly eyes, uh, a necktie, Uh uh, plastic forks for arms. (laughs) That's very fun. And it's it's a love story from their first date to uh, Mm -hmm. what comes after. And Mm -hmm. it it gets dark. (laughs) Sure, I'm sure. Um, And so, uh, let me... Try and phrase this question in a way that I think is good. Um, basically, what was your experience that made you write the show? Like, why did you decide to be sober, if you don't mind sharing? Sure. Um, I stopped drinking because I couldn't anymore. I yeah. just. There's a line in the show where I kind of come to. Spoil, spoiler alert. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> It ends with me stopping drinking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but there, there's a line where I realize, you know, I could live to be 100. Yeah. But as long as I'm spending each day with this bottle, in some way I'm going to die. Sure. And I think hitting that bottom was what made me quit. Mm-hmm. And what made me to, like decide to write the show was a lot of feelings still coming up within me. A lot of... I guess it was a way of processing it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and do you think there's like an underlying factor for you having an issue with drinking? Um, I think I was just born that way. Okay. And some people are and I just, I can't. Okay. And you can't, meaning you should, like, you shouldn't yeah, drink. Yeah, I, I should not drink. Okay, as a, another sober person in the room. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't know how to ask this gracefully, but, like, <laughs> was it, like, uh, what were the kind of issues you were running into <sighs> with drinking and stuff like that? Because I know you posted about walking home with the wrong kind of shoes. Like, yeah, sir. Oh, okay. I, I got up in the morning and I put on um, two different boots at like <laughs> seven in the morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had gotten started. This was at the very end. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. That's rough. It was. And just things like uh, not being reliable, not being mm-hmm. a good friend. I I didn't feel like myself anymore. Sure. Um, and... What, who is that then? Like, who's the person that you, you've gone back to? Like, you didn't feel like yourself, so who is Michelle? Ooh. It's hard to say. Okay. But um, I think it's easier to say that when I was drinking, I was very judgmental. Uh-huh. I would do just about anything to push people away mm-hmm. so I could be alone and drink. Um. Yeah, I, I didn't like people anymore, and yeah. I 
I like people. I enjoy seeing what they're up to and just, yeah, I like people. That sounds like you kind of got into a cycle of like pushing people away and that would make you drink more and then that would make you push people away and that kind of thing. That comes up in the show. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's like it's Lance Armstrong, but in a bad way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's almost like, um, I say to Tito at one point, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you say awful things about the people I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you make me embarrass myself in front of them and then you comfort me. Mm-hmm. And and you say you'll never leave my side, and it just kind of repeats worse and worse each time. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, glad you're not doing that anymore. Thank you. How, me too. Yeah, how hard was it to make the decision? It's funny because for months leading up, I I knew I had a problem, mm-hmm. and kind of hitting my bottom, I lost my job. Oh wow! I um. It wasn't hard when that once I hit the bottom because it was almost like I, I'm done. I can't keep doing this anymore. And yeah, after that day, I decided, okay, I'm done. Yeah. It's been two years. I have not. Yeah. Yeah, I can't help but notice that uh, it's been two. It was about two years since yes. you started improv, and uh, also three years. Three years, yes. but it's also two years of you like drinking heavily. Um. Well. No. Let's see, it was three years ago I started improv. Okay. And two years ago I stopped drinking. Oh, you stopped drinking. Yes. Okay, so there was one year of overlap. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. That's, so, do you think, in a weird way, like, the improv, like, helped replace it? Like, you had a substitution there? Definitely. Especially at first, I kind of threw myself into improv and comedy and just, I was doing shows and jams every night of the week and I can't do that anymore. I'm still going. I still do a lot, but I don't have it in me to... I think at first it definitely replaced Mm -hmm. uh, alcohol. Yeah, I remember going through a similar process. At least for me, I still had that, like, level of anxiety or energy, at least, and I needed to fill it with something. Did you feel that way? Completely, yes. Um, did you only replace it with improv or did you do other things? Like, I know I replaced it also with ice cream. Let me think. Yeah. A lot of comedy. Okay. And. Do you do other kinds of comedy besides improv? Um, I like doing characters now and then. I've started getting into sketch lately. Okay. And just uh, kind of slowly branching out and seeing what's out there. Yeah. How has that, what does that experience been like for you? It's been a lot of fun, really freeing. I never thought I would be good at scripted stuff. I didn't really? trust myself to do scripted stuff. Yeah. And honestly, doing this show has yeah. helped me realize, oh, I can do scripted stuff. Yeah. That's so funny because most people are the exact opposite. They're like, okay, well, there's, these are the words they're already giving me. I'm fine. If I if the words are bad, then it's not my problem. <laughs> but like, that's so that's so funny. I've uh, always enjoyed making stuff up i've before i did improv i wrote a lot and that's one thing i also do i write oh yeah um besides one person shows do you write like scripts or do you like uh do novels Uh, short stories usually none that have seen the light of day oh okay um (laughs) maybe someday yeah uh what do you get out of that something similar to what i get when i do improv it's i like creating things okay 
So it's like kind of the endorphin rush of like, yes. okay, this is new and exciting and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds perfectly pleasant. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, are you from New York? Yes, I'm from Bayside. Oh, where's that? Uh, in Queens. Uh, like very... Okay. Just about Nassau, but still Queens. Okay. Um, what was that like growing up? I almost never went into Manhattan. Okay. So it didn't really feel like growing up in New York City, even okay. if it technically was. Sure. Um, but like, uh, did you go to school out here as well? And like, have you always, you've always lived in the city? Yes. I went to a Queens college for college, stayed at home. I've okay. lived in Queens my whole life. And I would imagine growing up in that environment would create a certain level of like anxiety or like at least hyper awareness. And would you agree with that or disagree and why? Um, I am definitely an anxious person yeah. um, with a lot of things, yeah. always doing about a million things at once. Sure. Um, so yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, and what's that like for you? It's, I'm always trying to balance um, all the things I'm doing with also that niceness, that wanting to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I mean, when you feel anxious, mm -hmm. what is that experience like for you? Ooh, it's usually my thoughts start racing. Mm -hmm. I can't think straight. Mm -hmm. It's hard to focus. Mm -hmm. Usually helps um, just play a simple app, a game on my phone, like mm -hmm. Candy Crush or whatever. <laughs> sure. Just get your mind to calm down. Yeah. And do you think that's uh, the one of the reasons improv? Because, like, when you're really going at it. Yeah, there's something... It's weird to think that being on stage in front of a bunch of people without a script would be relaxing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you almost end up in this sort of zone, especially when it's going perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it, it can be an escape uh, where you can just leave behind what's going on in your everyday life and just... Just today I played a... I was a, a basketball hoop in a scene. It's <laughs> You can just be silly and be like a kid and play make-believe. Yeah, that's wonderful. And for me, it always feels like your, your conscious brain, you kind of have to set it aside. Yes. And people who are anxious, I think, are more in tune to their subconscious brain because they're, like, so close to fight or flight all the time. Right. Um, so besides uh, doing, like, do you have any other ways to cope besides, like, doing an app on your phone? Do you like doing your breathing or anything or no? I'll usually chat with my friends. Okay. They are wonderful people who put up with me, mm -hmm. and I love them very much. <laughs> um, has it been hard to stay sober? Not really. I know that sounds strange, but I think it was because I knew for the longest time. I even remember thinking to myself, like months before I finally stopped, okay, fine, you're probably an alcoholic, but you're a functional alcoholic. Sure. It's it was more of a struggle to admit I had to stop. Yeah. And once I admitted it, it seems like my decision was made for me. There was no going back. Yeah. I, I felt very similarly of like, what, I'm like, I'm done and this is done. Yeah. And that's part of me is gone. Yeah. And now it's like, kind of like removing a tumor or something. You're just like, but I understand that a lot of people it's hard because of the, like there's a biological need as opposed to just like a, a psychological one um 
when did you try to get sober more than once not really no he no that i would always try to cut back but that would mm -hmm. last about a day and a half mm -hmm. and so when you're getting drunk at 7 a.m <laughs> uh what's that look like what's your what's a what was a standard week for michelle during those days like, this was probably in, this would have been in, like, the very last month, even the last couple of weeks. Sure. And it was just very sad. Okay. It was very hazy, a blur. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'd wake up, I'd, whatever I hadn't finished before I passed out, I'd finish off. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of shame as well. Yeah. And just trying to hide things sure um since you live in new york and your parents are from new york do they know about this um i kept it hidden yeah until the very end uh -huh. and then yes if they found out and i told them mm -hmm. and they've been incredibly supportive glad I, to hear that my mother and stepfather the last time i did the show they came and mm -hmm. it is very strange to do a show where i'm having a romantic relationship with the bottle and I do not shy away from that aspect <laughs> to perform that in front of my mother and stepfather sure. <laughs> there's one part where like I pull down the top of my dress and uh, mm -hmm. and wrap a sheet around myself to make it look like you know I just got yeah. out of bed the next morning yeah just knowing your mother is <laughs> there <laughs> sure I'm sure that's a certain level of awkwardness I wanted to die yeah <laughs> um what made you make the decision to like essentially do a weird version of like prop comedy with that why didn't you do like a more stand-up sort of thing why, why is it a narrative i've always liked writing stories okay and anyone who has seen me do improv will tell you that i love playing objects or i love having for example i played a basketball hoop today yeah. and it's i really like personifying objects and there's, you can get really, really dark when you have a bottle with googly eyes and a necktie. Sure. Because the concept is just so ridiculous, mm -hmm. it almost helps you dig a little deeper. Yeah. I suppose it's almost like a safety net, because no matter how dark I get, there's this thing. Yeah. So we can't take it too seriously. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's very fun. Um, that, that makes sense vis-a-vis -vis the bottle. Uh, but since you, I've seen you do like just monologue kind of work as well with improvising. Um, and did you ever consider doing like a stand up, a closer to a stand up show about it? Not really. Okay. It's funny because initially I had this idea in the back of my mind that for solo calm, it would be fun to do something where I dressed up as Clippy from Microsoft Word, of <laughs> sure. adapting the modern technology, and mm -hmm. I ended up not going with it, but the thought of that giant paperclip just stayed in my head mm -hmm. and I think it might have like morphed into this mm -hmm. the paperclip became the bottle yeah. or something like that yeah that um those are two very different things very yeah. um, I, I am not fully sure how I got from one <laughs> to the other <laughs> sure um and it's it's very oh, it's, it's very I would imagine very difficult doing the show and how did you muster the gum, gumption to skit and go, okay, this is 
presumably the worst part of me, and I want to share this with strangers. It's... There's something really freeing about it. Yeah. It's helped me sort of come to terms with all the things that happened, and in a way it... um, it helps to have it be a bottle and have it be ridiculous, have me be dating it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that almost adds a layer of this isn't real to it. Sure. All the while knowing this is very real. Uh-huh. How's it helped you come to terms with it? Sort of, you know, going through some of the worst times of my life. Mm-hmm. Things I did that I'm not proud of. Um, and facing them head on and it's almost like saying to it you don't have any power over me anymore Mm -hmm. and the fact that it is ultimately an uplifting show even Mm -hmm. if you have to go through a lot to get there sure it's yeah it's almost my way of telling tito that he has no power over me anymore and he doesn't that's great um did you use any programs did you do anything or did you just quit Um, I went to a couple of AA meetings. It wasn't quite right for me. It's Uh been really helpful for a lot of people, but just not for me. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I'm not really sure. Okay. It just... It just never felt right for me. Okay. And during those first couple of weeks, months, what have you, um, how did you stop yourself from drinking? I just didn't. I think I would tell myself that because, you know, by that point I was being open and honest. um, And I remember thinking, well, if I have a drink, you'll have to tell mom. Mm -hmm. You'll. I think for the first month or two, I wasn't even doing it for me, Mm -hmm. but more so that I wouldn't have to admit I failed. (laughs) And then after that. Yeah. It just became life. Yeah. Was it? But was it hard? I mean, like, I guess I kind of already asked that, but, like, you didn't, like, get the shakes or anything like that? I got, I got actually really sick a few days after, and it's just hitting me now that maybe it wasn't a regular cold. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, I'm... Coincidentally. I'm just having that realization right now, (laughs) two years down. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. And how do you... um, Guess you're at improv theaters. You're in New York. There's a lot of drinking. Yeah. How do you now convince people? Do you tell people right away, and then they have to hold you accountable, or like? I. I mean, most people know. Okay. I don't drink. Um. It's not real. I don't go out of my way to mention it, but like, if sure. it comes up in conversation, I'll, I'll mention it, and mm-hmm. when it's around me, I just. It's almost like it's just not an option. Sure, sure. And so you just, like, reframed it like it's just not there. Yeah, it's, you know, like, I'm always aware if it's around me, but it's Mm -hmm. also, I don't have this overwhelming urge to run over and start drinking. It's just almost like, it's almost like seeing an old ex on the street. (laughs) Sure. Just like, I, I remember the good times, but... I can't remember the good times without thinking about the really awful times. They're just linked. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how do people react 
have has it been mostly supportive or pretty much entirely supportive yeah. there are a lot of um sober people in the improv and the comedy scene and i've definitely felt if anything it's funny more more often people will say to me is it okay if i have a beer around you which yeah. <laughs> and i appreciate that yeah yes you can have a beer around me i'm fine yeah <laughs> it feels similar like when you you go to a restaurant and you're with someone who's vegan and they're like i'm gonna eat a chicken in front of you i'm sorry a whole chicken <laughs> alive no um i'm gonna go back a little bit of the conversation if you don't mind sure um just like could you talk in just kind of general terms like what the process you took all the levels at the pit uh what does an improv school look like when you're taking classes well, I was pretty drunk for a while. <laughs> sure, so like <laughs> being fully you quote honest, unquote, took one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah I, mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of level three and four. Oh, but, um, oh boy. Um. Well, um. What do you mean? Like, what? What? What's the structure of the class? Like, what are the concepts that you learned? For for anyone who sorry, for anyone who knows of but doesn't know the inner workings of improv. Let's see. I know with the pit, they're very, um, each class is very different. Okay. Um, levels one and two were very much about, um, getting relaxed, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and just really learning the basics and getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. Level three, I don't believe they do the Herald class anymore. Okay. I think we were one of the last Herald classes. Um, what's a Herald? That is a very specific uh, structure uh-huh. where it's a three beats group game, mm-hmm. three beats that then follow the first three beats, group game, mm-hmm. and then three final beats, and then just sort of a run at the end. It's very structured. Yeah. And what do you mean by beats? Um, that might be, say, um, the first scene you have uh, two people at the store, and the game is that one is a giant chicken sure. and won't admit it's a chicken. I am... <laughs> this is a terrible example. Uh, no, but conceptually, it's very funny. Yes, and the next beat then would heighten that. Uh huh. And like each time you do now, a the beat. chicken has to take out a loan. Exactly. Oh, uh, then you try for time figure it out that it's an illegal immigrant chicken, and now it has to deal with the deportation. That it, kind of thing. Sort of. Uh, I guess the game would be. Um, it, it's a, a chicken that. Uh, it's a chicken doing people things <laughs> while still a chicken. Yeah. That's the game. And yes. so you'd have three beats of that, and then a group game? Oh, um, actually, it would be, there would be one beat. Uh-huh. You would have a completely unrelated beat. Okay. Completely unrelated beat, group game, mm-hmm. and then those three beats again heightened. Okay. And it could be um, different location, different characters, um, just so long as, like, the game of the scene, what, what makes it, what, the unusual thing. Yeah. Yeah. The bit. Yes. The hook. Um, okay. And so they don't do heralds anymore. I don't believe, not in level three. Okay. Um, level four, I had Matt Higgins, who is just one of my improv idols. Mm-hmm. He's on Centralia. He just, I adore him. Uh-huh. And that, we barely did any scene work for the first few weeks. It was all games and mm-hmm. just ways of, um, jumping from A to C, A to G, whatever. And, uh-huh. uh. That class was fun. I don't remember a lot of it, but mm-hmm. what I remember, I adored. Mm-hmm. And then level five was just learning a lot of different forms, mm-hmm. and uh, like the Spokane, the mono scene, so on and so forth. What is a Spokane? A Spokane is 
you have a hub scene where uh, you might have like a bunch of people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you then might branch out into another scene based on things that sort of were referenced in the first scene or just mm-hmm. ideas planted. You end up going back to that hub scene. Okay. And then branching out again and coming back almost like the spokes of a wheel. Okay. Okay. It's a kind of like Family Guy with cutaways. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and kind of free associative. Yeah. Okay. That's That sounds really fun. I really like the Spokane. I yeah. got burned out on it. Yeah? yeah? What does that mean? I did it way too much. Yeah. And so at what point did you realize you had done it too much? Were you like in the middle of a scene and you're like, oh, shit, no. When I stopped getting excited to do them. Ah, I see. How often does that happen? It really, it depends. Okay. It's, I think it's a lot less now because I'm not performing every single day anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a heck of a hustle. How did you, for lack of a better term, like keep your sanity by, by do like while still doing all that stuff? I think this was like at the very beginning of when I stopped drinking. Yeah, it was more just a way to keep. I almost liked being very very busy and not having time to think. Sure. So it was just preferable to the other thing, and that's how you did it. You just had to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Um, and then I assume there's five levels. I assume there's five levels then, and then you graduate the, the, the school. Yes. I, there's a level six they do every okay. now and then. Um, and then from there, what do you do? Now that you graduated improv school, what do you do? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I mean, there's like auditioning for house teams or okay, so on and so forth. Just, um, I guess after that, you sort of have a, a basic foundation and then you just kind of figure out what you're going to do. Okay. And do you see yourself doing this show for a long time? Do you like think it's going to run other places than the pit? Do you? I would love very much to do it elsewhere. It's... Uh-huh. There is a problem, though, um, at least with um, improvised solo shows. Yeah. If you have friends who come see it, it's a different show every month. Sure. So I'll have, like, friends who come to almost every gimmick in you. Yeah. And with this show, e- even if it changes a little and evolves a little each time, it's the same show. So sure. I am nervous about maybe doing it too much. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find that right balance. Yeah, there's... um. I feel like there's attendance burnout a lot of the times on this, like, lower level. Not not to say it's lower level, but on the, like, when you're starting off, you're yeah. bringing your friends, and then they see your the, the same set. Like, this happens a lot with stand-up comedy, where you see the same five minutes, and then people are like, listen, I don't want to see that same five minutes with a bunch of other people's five minutes. I've done. I'm done. Doesn't matter to me anymore. Um, so I could imagine that would be difficult. But we, have you ever, like, considered doing tours or anything like that? It's... Definitely something I've considered. Um, right now I'm so caught up with this run I'm in the middle of. Yeah, how's it been going, by the way? Really well. It's. It's been. I don't know. If fun is the right word, but sure. Really rewarding. Really, just it's been a really positive experience. Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful director, Adrian Sexton, and she's just, she's phenomenal. How did you? Because I'm putting together a one-man show, and I don't have a director. 
how did you find someone uh, to well, direct it? Adrian had coached um, a team I was on for a while. Okay. And, um, you know, I knew her through the pit. I'm a huge fan of her. Okay. And um, got at my nerve to ask her. Okay. What, and I suppose since it was scripted, but what made you feel like you needed a director? I wanted a fresh pair of eyes, someone, mm -hmm. and I hadn't acted before this. It was all improv, nothing scripted, and Adrienne is very good at that sort of thing. She has an incredible stage presence, and mm -hmm. I could just tell that she would have so much feedback that I would never even be able to think of, mm -hmm. and she did. It, it, it was incredible having just sitting down with her, going over the script. She was the one who said, oh, you know, maybe you could call him Tito. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think in the first script I was calling him a vodka or something. <laughs> sure. Um, changing topics completely. Mm -hmm. um, you have a very, like, positive presence, specifically online. <laughs> um, do you, number one, do you think it's because you're, like, cause because of the change you made with your life? And number two... Do you feel a lot of pressure to continue to be that positive all the time? Hmm. I think on some level it's... Like I said before, when I was drinking, it changed who I was. Yeah. I wasn't positive or happy. Mm -hmm. And I guess in a lot of ways I've been celebrating okay. the fact that I've, I'm myself again. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily feel as though there's pressure no? to be that way. I... That's good. My grand my grandmother helped raise me as a kid. She would watch mm -hmm. me when I was at school or mm -hmm. when after school when my parents were at work. Mm -hmm. And she was just the most positive, loving person I know. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like it influenced me a lot. I I very much admire mm -hmm. the woman she was and I you want to emulate that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, if you don't mind me asking, your parents are divorced. Yes. How was that? Ooh, that was 20 years ago. Sure. So, most of my life, they have not been together. Okay. And that's always just kind of just normal? Yeah. There was nothing traumatic about it? No, no not at all. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Like, <laughs> a lot of your answers to questions have been like, ah, no, I'm fine, which is great to hear yeah. and is a good... It's a good thing I want to emphasize. If anything, the idea of my parents married is weirder than them together really? to me because it's just been this year's 20 years. Yeah. Wow. And how old were you when they separated? Uh, seven going on eight. Okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah. My parents split. My dad moved like a block and a half away, so he'd still be near me. Oh, that's so very it was, good. it was very, they definitely really worked to make sure it was seamless for me. Well, that's good. I'm really glad to hear that. You seem to also be... Is it, this is, no, just away from, like, the drinking and all that. I'm just curious about your personality, because I, I know you a little, not a lot. Um, but you also seem to be someone who's really, really open to admiring people and what they can do and that sort of thing. And where does that come from? I don't know. Okay. I've always... Like, a lot of people are like, I really like this person, but I will never tell them. Uh, well, I feel as though if you admire someone, why keep it a secret? It's yeah. 
there are so many people who have influenced me who I think are just wonderful people and I don't know I I think it helps sometimes to just have someone say hey I think you're amazing I think you're wonderful because not everyone most people don't feel as though they're amazing or wonderful yeah that makes sense you should be like it's very hard. A lot of this is also like reconciling like the cognitive dissonance. Like it seems it's very difficult for me to imagine you being closed off and upset and stuff. And I think that's a testament because I I feel like a lot of there's that like old phrase of like people don't change. Whereas I feel like and maybe this is me projecting, but, like, I feel similar to you of, like, I was a very, like, confident and happy person, and then I started drinking, and then I made myself miserable by doing stupid things. And so it's just very, and this is just me kind of talking out of my ass, but it's very difficult to imagine you being anything but pleasant. Um, and so it's just, I'm so curious about, like, what, like, did you start fights? Did you, like, do were you in a gang? <laughs> like... Yes, I was in a gang. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, did you go to Harley, like, with slick back hair? What's going on? It was more just that I was very impatient. Sure. I wasn't telling people that I admired them. Mm-hmm. I was just very closed off. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to interact with people. I didn't want to go anywhere. Uh-huh. I didn't want to do anything. And then when I would go out, it would just all be a case of making sure I was drunk enough to get through it. Sure. And, but not enough that anyone would notice, but Mm -hmm. of course they all noticed. Yeah. Uh, Were you this open and this, this you before? Or were you less open and then by facing the adversity you had to become more so? I think it's been a, it's been a process. Mm-hmm. Because I, I came out of the closet when I was 22. Okay. Which I feel like, I mean, I, I everyone is different, but it yeah. seemed later than a lot of people. Sure. And between that and, and drinking and just so much in my life, I've realized I, I spent so much time keeping secrets mm-hmm. and being closed off and, and thinking that I had to live my life one way or be one way and just being open with mm-hmm. myself and with others has it's a way I guess of figuring out exactly who I am and exactly who I want to be mm-hmm. because it's yeah it sucked otherwise <laughs> <laughs> sure um, what would your biggest piece of advice for someone who's trying to get and stay sober be Ooh. Be open with yourself. I think cliche, but be open with yourself. And if you can, if you have someone you can go to, Mm -hmm. it helps to talk to people and to know you're not alone and not to try to do it by yourself. And I want to thank you for being as open as you have been. And I hope the show continues to go well and your life continues to be good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this. This has been so much fun. Yeah, good. I'm glad.
fly. Enjoy the ride.